Welcome to episode 58 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me in the uh, beautiful outside environment of the newly refurbished McSauce Outdoor Studio tonight are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Happy Memorial Day, everyone. It's Happy good to Memorial see you Memorial Day. It is May 26th, 2014. And we are outside for this podcast. It's such a beautiful day. Keeping these lovely voices and talents cooped up inside was just... I don't even have a word for it. Inconceivable? Inconceivable is as good a word as any. Coming from our literary master across the table. I doubt that. <laughs> so before we get into a variety of topics, including the Flash TV show trailer, the Batman Superman title, the um, some new Star Wars news, and Edgar Wright leaving Ant-Man, we start things off with housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Hope you're all outside today, enjoying the weather. It's beautiful out here. You can still take your tablets, go to mixsauce.com, check out our strips, reviews, podcast, like us on Facebook, go to the iTunes store, pod, download us on Podomatic, Stitcher Radio, rate and review, all those things that help the podcast get a higher Q rating. In a, Is that what that's called? The Q rating? Isn't a Q rating? That's something I've heard. Is that a... What does the Q stand for? Forgive me if I'm coming off as uh, no, intelligible. I have, I have no idea. I just thought that it was uh, something that that people do. Isn't a Q rating <clears throat> something good? Sounds good, doesn't it? The Q rating is a measurement of the familiarity and appeal of a brand, company, celebrity, or television show used in the United or States. Pod, or a podcast. States. Skates. The United States. The higher the Q score, the more highly regarded the item or person is among the group that is familiar with them. I knew that you would help me out on that. That helps our Q rating. I think we probably have, a, if it's based on the group that's familiar with them, we probably have a pretty good Q rating. The group listens to us every week. We need more of the group. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Yeah. Tell your tell your neighbors. The McSauce Q rating needs a bigger baseline. Yeah, it really does. So go out and uh, spread the word. And while you're spreading the word, you can probably go to the beautiful Oaks Theater in Oakmont, PA. The majestic Oaks Theater. It is majestic. Moonlit Matinee Festival, presented by Turner's Premium Iced Tea, May 30th and 31st. The heat is on with the 30th <laughs> anniversary of Beverly Hills Cop. So go and check out nice. Beverly Hills Cop. So you know what played last week? At the Oaks Theater in Oakmont, PA. What during the Moonlit Matinee Summer was, Film Festival 2014? I know because I have a beautiful postcard designed by Matt Cassell. But tell the listening audience. It was the never-ending story, which in and of itself is false advertising. The never-ending story ends at one hour and thirty-six minutes. That's how long it is. That's it. I don't know. I just made that number up. But it fucking ends. Although it felt like three hours and 36 minutes. It's not really yeah. that good. There oh, is, man. Well, those are fighting words. There is overacting to the degree of Charlton Heston in that movie by the children. And it, it's, it's a little off-putting, if I'm being honest. You are a notorious non-fan 
of child actors. Or maybe just children in general. Possibly that. Did you go see it last weekend? I did, yeah. Um, now, I have not seen it in decades. Literally decades. The NeverEnding Story's runtime is 107 minutes. A little under. Three days. What? <laughs> 107 minutes comes to 147? I don't know. I went to art school. Or 100, no, We don't do math An hour and 40. So anyway, there you have it, folks. <laughs> 107 minutes. Do the math yourselves. So, yeah, okay, so... Math teachers at home, pull your hair out. 47, an hour and 47 minutes. That's, that, that, that feels better. That extra, like, 10 minutes feels, feels better than 136. Minutes, 11 minutes. Wait. Art school, not math school. Yeah. Uh, the never-ending story was filled with scenes that I remembered, scenes that I vaguely remembered that were kind of good, but kind of like, oh boy, that's not the way I remember it. Like, for example, when the, the horse dies, I forget what his name was. Artax. Artax in the beginning. So sad stuff, I man. remember that scene being traumatizing as a yeah. boy. And then I come in and I watch the movie and I was like kind of snickering it and laughing about oh. it. In your old age, you've gotten I'm hardened. Jaded. I'm hardened by by the trials and tribulations that life has dealt me. Oh, granted, I haven't seen it in a while, but I would imagine now it would be more sad than traumatizing. Um, when he rolls up to that turtle, he's it was just, like neither. giving up life. Yeah. Yeah, and he kept getting sneezed on and being pulled off of this tree that that strategically had branches placed just enough for him to climb it easily. What was the name of the swamp? It wasn't it like swamp of sadness. Swamps of sadness. Holy now, Paul, I didn't crap. realize you were such a fan of the Neverending Story. Where the hell were you that you couldn't be bothered to go to the to the lovely Oaks Theater in Oakmont, PA. Majestic, as you called it. The Majestic Oaks Theater in Oakmont, PA during the Moonlit Matinee Festival of 2014. I was deep in the woods getting my camp on. Ah. Now, would you have gone had you been not deep in the woods? No, I never go to those things. (laughs) (laughs) I want to. Honestly, I want to. Exhaust field trip. We are the worst because we talk about it every week. During the summer. We promote it. Well, it only happens during the summer. But we promote it. Some of us design beautiful postcards for it. And then we never go and participate. Can't be bothered to do comic strips for McSauce, but I'll do postcards for the Oaks. True, true. Maybe we'll have to gather everybody up, all the listening audience, and take them to one of their favorite movies on here. There's a lot to pick from. The Matrix is on there. I know that there are a lot of people in our group of friends that would like to go see The Matrix. The Karate Kid. Karate Kid. Caddyshack. Jaws. Jaws is the one, man. Jaws is the one that they do every single year at the Oaks. They'll do it, and they always do the 4th of July weekend this year. 4th of July happens to land on the weekend itself. I believe it's a Saturday this year. Um fantastic movie. Ian, I know you've never seen it. Never seen it. Uh, See, I've got I will say this. Jaws is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. It's that good. That's bold. It is the best Steven Spielberg movie ever made. If you disagree, Paul, Ian, you can't because you haven't seen it and I know you'll agree with me in about um, two months. That's what I do. 
Jaws, right? But Paul, what is a better film than Jaws that Steven Spielberg has directed? Jaws is pretty flawless, um, but I don't know Steven Spielberg's resume. Well, well I'll enough. take you through it. Joe versus the volcano. Did he direct E.T.? Yes. Then I'd probably pick E.T. Hmm. Not saying that Did it was... Did he direct Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. Not saying that it was technically a better film, but I, I think I probably have more of a soft spot for E.T. Yeah. than Jaws. Fair. Who directed Jurassic Park? Steven Spielberg. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Shooter! I'm partial. from Jurassic Park. I'm partial too. A little too deep for me, Paul. We're around this outs and around this outside table. I can touch you again. I'm partial too. Ian, <laughs> freeze. That's my favorite line. Because in the original South what? Hill Studios. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were close enough Malcolm. to touch. What? In the original South Hill Studios, you were close enough to touch. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And our current, uh, and our current, <laughs> and our current indoor climbs. Quarantine so from far away from the table, but I like this. You're close enough to touch again. I am. This yeah. is a different feel. I like this. I can hear the waterfall over the hill, the building of houses on the street. <laughs> the distance. If we're lucky, we may even get a suburban turkey walk through the yard. Suburban turkey. Those were always a real pleasure. That was my nickname in high school. Suburban turkey. I like it. Very nerdy nickname. Another nerdy property that we would like to talk about today. Our friends at the Nerd Exchange Podcast. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Libsyn. Uh, go to Libsyn and, and take a look at their podcast. You can also follow them on Twitter as well as hear their podcasts on Stitcher. They're dedicated to the promotion of collecting, cosplay, general appreciation of nerdery. And they indulge in video games and baseball cards, antique books, TV shows, comic books, all the nerdy kind of things. So please go and check them out at all the different places that you can find the Nerd Exchange. On their last episode, they happened to reference this wonderful podcast in a couple episodes that we did back in November, episodes 31 32, when we pitted Marvel versus DC and broke down um, categorically what we thought about each brand and who won in the battle of creators, storyline, Characters, multimedia, and they had some things to say. Paul, I think that you Nerd Exchange seemed to take uh, take umbrage with DC winning the absolutely one hundred percent objective breakdown that we did between the two companies. Um, I say absolutely objective because I'm the only one that would make it not objective. Because of the three of us on this podcast, I'm the only real DC fan. I feel like the, the sickness of your DC love has spread out and infected other listeners of this podcast. Made it like this is a Homer-style podcast. But we're not we're not from DC Comics, so it can't be a Homer-style podcast. You make it like we're from DC Comics. That's where you live. That's how that's how deep the roots of my love for how DC deep? are. Balls deep. 
which I believe is the name of one of those podcasts. Our buddy Tim Sedwick of the Nerd Exchange said, and I quote, They tried to objectively, definitively say, but of course they all like DC Don't better. do his voice. How dare you? <laughs> so they said DC. And um, DC did win, but Ian and Matt are not DC guys, and that's a battle I have to fight week in and week out trying to fight the good fight against the evil corporation that is Ian Sharpley and Marvel and the scrappy underdog that's Image Matt Cassell. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we were fair in the way that we presented our argument. Because DC Comics is this very um, publicly owned underdog uh, underdog company that that does everything on the up and up. They're, They're... very wholesome and honest. Grabs ourselves by Don't the Don't even care about the bottom line as long as the fans are happy. That's, that's yeah, that's exactly it. I, I think we broke it down. <laughs> I said it better myself. Not that the Nerd Exchange didn't, you know, think that we, uh, you know, say things that we didn't say. We did crown DC as the winner, but I think that we made our points very valid and over probably four hours of podcasting where we really delved into why we thought that each company had the better characters or creators, the storylines that enriched the source material as well as the movies that brought it to the vast audience that it's, um, that it hits every uh, summer in the theaters. I really think that we did a a good service to, uh, and, and was really fair with what we came uh, across you. It surprised me. I thought that Marvel was going to win. I wish that Marvel won. I thought so but, too. But they didn't. Yeah. They just didn't. I I agree. I thought Marvel was going to win. And this stems from Kyle on the Nerd Exchange bringing up the news that DC last week canceled six ongoing titles. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because... Why don't we mention what the six titles were that were canceled? Um, all I remember off the top of my head is uh, Weird Western Tales and Batwing, which... We're from 2000, what, 2012, when the the new 52 kicked off. And there's so an those initiative. Those lasted two whole years. DC has a uh, basically a rule that they're going to cancel the books that aren't selling and put new books out there that fans want to see and read. I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. I don't think that the news that they're canceling a whole... You know, set of books is is like the downfall of DC, or it's a sign that they're doing things differently. They're they're sticking to what they told us originally. I think it's a little bit strange that they're adhering so strictly to a fifty-two book rule. I feel like there's room for more or less, depending on what is selling. Um, rather than having fifty-two titles necessarily, they should maybe stick to. X amount of books need to be sold or more to justify it. Uh, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like the whole 52 thing, it feels like this very just kind of arbitrary number that they slapped on themselves and they're trying to adhere to for whatever reason. I don't understand. Where did the 52 number come from? Wasn't it there are 52 multi, multiverses or something like that? All I know it for... Uh, the origin of it, as far as I understand, is when they launched 
when they relaunched DC Comics. They called it the New 52 because they launched with 52 books, and ever since then they've been very strict to adhere to that number. I don't know if that number existed before that relaunch or not, but I frankly... I thought that it was... There were 15, 52 different universes in the multiverse. There are 52 weeks in the year. Am I, I right? don't know. Am I right there? Is that right? Yeah, there's 52 weeks in a year. Which was a title that they have ongoing that came out every week. So they were kind of... They kind of that was kind of a good luck number for them. Mm -hmm. It seemed like fifty-two cards in a deck. Correct. Not counting the Joker, but he always fucks shit up. Never know when he's going to cut his face off and disappear for a year. Now here, um, can, can I just make a point, Paul? I don't care so much about the number fifty-two. My my real problem with it is using the word new. I hate the word new because new is such a relative term. It doesn't last that long. And then, all of a sudden, something that is new now retains its title from, like, ten years ago when it was called The All-New X-Men. That's a three-year-old book. Or, well, yeah, you have The All-New X-Men or The New X-Men, which is a 15-year-old book. Or New Avengers. Which is also over ten years old, right? It just doesn't feel new. Why are we calling it new? It's like, oh, you know, the, the old New X-Men... Well, that sounds stupid. Could we just come up with something a little better than new, for God's sakes? Marvel, I'm not just looking at you here. I'm looking at you too, DC. The new 52 just is going to sound ridiculous in 10 years. They should just call it the 52 at this point. Does it have to be called anything? Why does it need a name? That's not. At this point, it's DC Comics. How about the reboot? Or the relaunch, the DC Comics relaunch. Whoa, 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 that's a curse word. I understand some people being upset about some of these books, and I can't find all six of them, but all six were poor selling books that I wasn't, I wasn't getting. That I don't think should have been on their on their list from the beginning. Like, and I've been burned by cancellations before. I vampire got cancelled, Sword of Sorcery got cancelled, and I love those books. So I don't mean to I don't mean to downplay people's disappointment at, you know, shit they love being cancelled, but there was nothing out of these six books that made me think, Oh, I should get this book. When they were initially announced, I was like, Why the fuck are they doing this? And with especially with like weird Western tales and Batwing, there's a lot of that on the internet too they're like why are we even making these books there are so many other options that DC can use that would easily be better selling titles but they're just not doing it like but what um I didn't mean to put you on the spot but I'm legitimately um, not yeah, sure yeah you really did um I don't Tim know Drake if, Robin. I don't know off the top of my head Tim Drake Robin would be pretty pretty awesome Tim Drake Robin would, would be awesome um I don't know. You got me. But there, there are, there are other there are other things out there that DC can use other than shit like fucking Batwing. And I know what they were trying to do with Batwing. And yeah, thumbs up, Batwing. You made it two years. Nice job. But no one gives a shit. That's why your book's getting canceled. And that's why it's good that they have. Um, I think that they have a limited number because 
they hold to it and they use it as a way to cancel those books and recycle and renew and refresh the line every so many months. Um, I wish Marvel would you know, trim the fat off some of the X books that they have. There's too many books. So here, here are a handful of Newsarama's easy titles for DC to put together in place of what the garbage they just canceled. Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Hard Traveling Heroes. Which could be cool. Lobo, which I disagree with. The old Lobo sucked. The new Lobo sucks harder. Booster Gold. Right. Cyborg series. Thumbs down for me. Cyborg is a supporting Teen Titans character. You he hate should him. never have a starring role. I can't wait for that feature film. Tim Drake. I'm concerned Cyborg is a villain. Tim Drake, Red Robin title. Uh, Brave and the Bold title starring, uh, starring Batman. Everybody loves Batman shit. I thought that was the next title. Everybody loves Batman. The Shazam title. That would be fine. Uh, the Sandman, which I disagree with. I think San- Sandman is left better left in Neil Gaiman's hands. Are they? You don't want an ongoing. Sandman are they rolling movie. Sandman and the DC and Vertigo together? Are they doing that or what? I think Sandman's going to maintain. I think he's going to stay separate. But like you know, I don't I don't think DC trimming the fat every so often and get rid getting rid of the bad books is I don't think it's a bad business model mm-hmm. and I don't think it's necessarily a negative mark on DC. You know they're cutting shit out that isn't working. Like when they announced they're doing the move the books the movement and the green team. That's stupid. About like the one percent one book was about the one percent and then the other one was about the um the fuck were those hippies called that sat in front of the place. Um, the... <laughs> what is it, though? Something Wall Street? Yeah, whatever. whatever. Those were bad books. Those should have never, never been considered in the first place. Why do I remember that? Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. And the listeners, I'm sure, are like, it was the... It was <laughs> You fucking idiots! You So we'll pick up in November with, um, some Marvel DC and see... See what they've done in the past year. See how some company, one of the two, may have raided the ship, and some one of the other companies may have uh, gone off the rails by then. But uh, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the extended flash trailer for the upcoming CW show this fall. I assume both of you watched it. Yes. Correct. Did you like it? Well, why don't we talk about it first, and then we'll get to whether we liked it or not. Um, they really, they initially released the the teaser trailer, which was, um, you know, Ollie is having, like, target practice, and, you know, Barry flashes in and catches the arrow. And that was super corny. And for as much as I love Arrow and as much as I want to love the Flash, I was like, ugh, <laughs> this is, that's kind of rough. The Flash has a little more uh, moving parts to it has superpowers, which Arrow has stayed away from. It's bright, which Arrow is not. Yeah, it's it, it's a little brighter than Arrow. Seems like there's more things happening in the daytime. Flash's rogues Flash. gallery, notoriously superpowered, so we're going to have to explore some of that kind of stuff. Um, I think that um, it, it from the jump, seems from this five minute trailer that they stick with the Flash origin story pretty pretty strictly 
it looks like Professor Zoom comes in and is responsible for the murder of Barry Allen's mother. They stick with the Barry Allen um, origin story, which you, we saw in the Arrow television show. It seems like uh, Barry Allen's kind of like holding on to like a Peter Parker-ish kind of vibe to him to carry this show, which I think it kind of missed on me whenever he was in Arrow. I didn't pick up on that. I, I kept complaining about how is this guy going to be a leading man? Well, he's going to be sort of like a bumbling teenager foil. That's how he's going to be presented, and I think that's a smart choice. But yet he is a detective? He's a, a scientist. Uh, CSI. CSI. Bumbling in the fashion that he's he's late and he's socially awkward. Not bumbling like Max Dillon from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not not to be confused with that bumbling. How does a guy that can move at the speed of light, how's he late for anything? Well, this is prior to him being ah, okay. Flash. And that's always a joke throughout the entire Flash series, even when he is the Flash, that even though he's so fast, he winds up still being late. Um, the extended trailer looks much better than that brief clip with uh, with Arrow, and I think the the Peter Parker angle is a is a good way to look at that because when you pair him up initially with Arrow, who is the lead of his show, and he's dark and brooding and man's man, and he's a man's man. Then you're like, there's no way this guy is this you know Barry Allen's going to be able to do anything. But when you kind of flip the script and look at it like Peter Parker, it makes a lot more sense. And uh, it it puts me a lot more at ease about how this is going to work out. Though two two supporting characters are Daniel Panabaker, whom I absolutely love, and um, I forget the guy's name. He plays um, he essentially plays Vibe. Uh, Daniel Panabaker plays Caitlin Snow, who's going to be uh, Killer Frost, and. Um, Carlos Valdez plays Cisco Ramon, who's going to be Vibe. And they had some some screen time in, at the end of the season of Arrow. And they were kind of corny. And I don't know if their characters will, will fit better in this Flash universe than they did on Arrow. But they seemed like... They seemed more caricatures of the comic book characters than, than anything else. They didn't seem all that legit. So hopefully they get a little more serious grounding when the show premieres. It's pretty clear that this treatment's going to be more whimsical than Arrow's down and gritty, extremely serious tone. Yeah. And with a character like The Flash, who's a, a lot more lighthearted, his big feature is superpowers. That's okay. Uh, Marvel's shown on the big screen that, you know, big superpowers don't have to be dark and broody. They can be fun. They've recently shown that even with speed, it can be fun and a lot of yeah, a lot of good times. I, can I would be assume. Had. I would assume a lot of good times can be had with either speeding it up or slowing it. So down. hopefully it can be translated. But uh, a couple things I did like is that they're really using the gold lightning, uh, following him around. You know when he zips out of frame, that crackling lightning is left behind, and that's been a staple of Flash comics forever. Now, something that I had a problem with is the villain in this. It looks like they took a, a... For this first trailer, 
they encapsulated the first arc. I'm going to assume it's going to be the first three episodes or so. The villain is a hurricane guy, or he can control elements or something like that. Seemed a little cheesy to me. I wasn't really on board with him. Yeah, he seems like the worst part. Um, Yeah, he seems really corny, and I don't know why the character in the show is named Clyde Martin, because that's clearly supposed to be Weather Wizard, who is a classic Flash rogue, who has been part of the rogues forever. His name... The comic character's name is Mark Martin. Maybe that was too alliterative for the creators, so they changed it to Clyde Martin. Stupid. But that's another that's a, another dumb change. Like, why would you bother doing that? Like, changing Starling City. They're changing Star City to Starling City. It's dumb. Just make him Mark Martin. It's a fucking Flash TV show. There's... <laughs> what the fuck... <laughs> happening with those car I hope that this is coming over on the <laughs> podcast. There's mayhem going on in Penn Hills, PA. But aside from... And flies in Matt's Coke. Aside from the name change, he seems... The character seems corny. and all the scenes he's in, he's saying corny things. It's a little too big as well for TV. There's a certain budget that you can have, and you can certainly have a character character that moves fast, but maybe not a character that can control weather in the scope that Clyde Martin can do that. We're going to have to rely uh, on the CW. That They've done a good job with Arrow and Supernatural and Smallville, and that they seem to know their limits when it comes to special effects. They don't try to overdo it. Uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. finale... Holy shit. I didn't see it. Awful special effects. Some of the worst special effects I've seen since Once Upon a Time. ABC has no idea how far their budget can really take them. They are the worldwide leader in terrible special effects. Uh, but CW seems seems to know their limits, so I'm going to go in and trust them that it's, it won't be as atrocious as, as we may expect. But overall, it looks okay. Matt, you've been awfully quiet. Yeah, I I agree that that there's a lot of potential badness in the fact that this is a hev- heavily special effects laden TV show to do quality effects on a weekly uh, schedule, given much smaller budgets like we were talking about. Uh, Traditionally is not something I'm interested in. It's not my cup of tea. I probably will not check it out. The trailer didn't look that good to me. Uh, it Again, and I hate to keep making this comparison, but it looked like a really well-made fan movie trailer. It doesn't look like, you know, the, the quality, big-budget excitement that we come to expect from these kind of things that are usually in film. But it's TV, so... You have to adjust your your expectations for that. Mm, no, I don't. A TV show can make a weekly, you know, multi-million dollar show. Because that's the face you just gave me. Uh, Let it be known that Matt also isn't a fan of Arrow. Right. Now, Paul but Matt's I never are. seen Arrow. I would say that so clearly... Let not, it be known that he's Matt not, also judged Arrow on he's not, trailers not a, and TV He's not not a fan. Spots. He's never seen it. 
I'm basing this on other things of that ilk that I have seen that let me down in that regard. Uh, and, you know, the trailer, the trailer's job is to entice you to get you interested. And if it does not do that, then it's failed. Like, I'm not just going to check it out because it's the Flash. It needs to actually look good. And to me, it doesn't look good. Now, I Brand would, loyalty brought to you by Macassell. Now, I would say that clearly your your superpower is mind reading, being able to tell me I'm excited how by good attention. like Professor X with legs. Professor X with legs. However, it no, works. your superpower legs. is actually being a douchebag. Oh, no, it's, it's true though. No, that's true. I made I made a face that I was unsure about the. Um, the ability for this TV show to carry on uh, the quality that we would hope for for the content in which it's trying to provide. That's just not usually my cup of tea. I would prefer something more within its, its modest grasp rather than trying to shoot for the moon and coming up short. Do you think that because I think of all the superpowers that a television show, especially the CW, that they can tackle, super speed, which can equal a lot of slow-mo or some some fast-moving, blurred objects, I think that's probably the most achievable of all superpowers. I want to agree, but we saw the trailer. I don't think it looked that good. I can appreciate the lightning trail that he makes when he runs. Yeah, that should be there. I think that's a very cool thing. I don't think it looks that great. I think it you look- don't? No, not really. I'll watch it again. I only watched it once. That's fair. I, w- I would like to watch it again and give it a second look, but... Um, yeah, I'm sorry. It, I didn't it, think it looks it like the, TV effects. I didn't think it was the worst. I mean, it is TV effects. I didn't think it was the worst TV effects it, of all it time. It seems to me like a character like The Flash, one of... I mean, when when we did our A and B list um, episode where we were trying to place these heroes, if I recall, The Flash was one of those characters that we kind of toyed with putting way up in the upper echelon. With the A-listers, we landed on B. We landed on B, but he's he got was great. He was name considered recognition. exactly he's got a great logo and right. a power that is right fits along with his name. You say the Flash, right. you know exactly Everybody, what it does. Right now, based on that, I think that that character deserves better than a TV show. I mean, I want to see that character in a film and be given the just due that he deserves. Do you think that the fact that he's in television project means that he can't also be in a film well um no i don't necessarily think that however i sort of hope that if they do put him in a film they get a different kid to play him because i'm not sold on i forget what the actor's name is uh grant gustin grant gustin but you're but you're not sold on him based on one trailer like i've at least seen two complete episodes that he's been in plus other projects that he's been in He's a he's a good guy. He's not... When I first saw they were casting him, I was out. I was like, why the fuck would they pick this guy? And even after seeing the two episodes of Arrow, I was still skeptical. But this treatment in the trailer, really getting a sense of where he fits in this world. Sort of an underdog, 
Not really where I would see Barry Allen, but I like where they're see, putting he, him. He sold me in those two episodes of Arrow. I, I was I thought he was a fine actor, but not who I would pick as Barry Allen. Has but this kind of has readjusted my expectations. Has the tone of the character appeared to have changed from the Green Arrow episodes versus what you saw in the trailer? No, no not at all. But I think the tone that I expected going in, I expect um, more of a grown-up adult Barry Allen. Maybe that's just me, comic book sensibilities. The This Barry Allen in the show falls somewhere between the Barry Allen in the current New 52 comics that Manipul and Bucciolato wrote and Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. Um, there's, Maybe a Wally West-ish there's kind a lot, of dynamic? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Barry Allen, but character-wise, he's probably more Wally West. Uh, I wish he was blonde. <laughs> if you he's going to be Barry just, Allen, I agree. he should be blonde, and that's, that's the only... It, it sticks with me every time I see him. But uh, acting-wise, I, I, I think he does a good job. In regards to the special effects in the show, Smallville ran, Smallville ran from 2001 to 2011. So, since 2011, like, special effects have... They come further and further every year. We've had three years since then. Smallville only had the budget to do one good effect per episode. Granted, this Flash trailer was polished up. Because it's a trailer, and that's what it has to do. Much like the Gotham trailer that you right. also were unimpressed with, Matt. So I, I don't expect, I don't expect the Flash to bring you movie theater effects every week. It's there's no way it's going to. I do don't it. expect that either. But I think what's what it does have the potential to do is really get you invested in the characters, and that's why I like serial storytelling better. Is that it gives you a lot more time to care about who these people are. You know, like, uh, this weekend I just read... I just read Justice League. Uh, it's essentially... The whole issue is essentially just talking. Very Justice League, which... Little action. But it's the it's essentially... The issue's who, dedicated... Who wrote it? Like, Jeff Johns. Okay. But it's essentially... The whole issue's an epilogue to the, fi- the finale of Forever Evil. So it's just kind of wrapping up everything and where we're at and how Lex Luthor joins joins the league. But the whole issue is talking. But it's great because you get to see all these downtime moments. And that's what serial storytelling provides for me. That's what that's what I love. You can throw in some big heroic action moments, but it's who Barry is all the time, not just in the big moments that pulls me in. But you know, Matt and I have clearly been T V and movie guys. So we're looking at we're looking at this through different. Yeah, lenses. I mean, you you bring up uh, what's it called Smallville. I was never a fan of Smallville. You were a big fan of Smallville. We, we clearly have different expectations and things that we like about or don't like about this kind of stuff. Um, I don't think I'm going to get won over by it, and. You know, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. I wish that I was more into it because it is a comic book property, and, and I like comic books. But and I'm not a person to say that you should be into things that are comic book related just to do it, just to support the brand. I'm not, but I really enjoy Arrow. I think it's a quality show. Mm-hmm. I think it's worthwhile checking out. Whereas, you know, in the face of Shield, where I flamed out really early. I don't think that it's all that great. 
even though it's tied in with a movie franchise that I love and a company that I really enjoy. Well, they say that it's gotten a lot better. I haven't watched Maybe a I'll single episode. Maybe I'll go back episode. and check it out. But. That's, that's the unofficial tagline for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's gotten better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, is there an example of a TV franchise, effects-driven, that you like, Matt? Well, I think the effects in The Walking Dead are pretty good. I think Game of Thrones is probably the the gold standard as far as that goes. And, you know, I I use those two as really solid examples of, you know, when somebody tries to tell me that I'm not a fan of serialized storytelling, I like comic books and I like certain shows, but I think that... Who would that somebody be? Do you have anybody in mind? Are they sitting next to you? They are not me. They are sitting clockwise Ah. to me. But at the same time, The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, the effects in those shows are very practical effects. No one in those shows is manipulating the weather or using super speed. Are there dragons in Game of Thrones? How often do you see them? White Walkers? Once every five episodes, would you say? White Walkers? That's a guy in makeup. I think those are CGI. No one's manipulating... No one's doing big superhero effects in either one of those shows. Granted, a lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of the blood splatter and, you know, all that stuff, they are special effects. But they're not the grand scale that you're going to expect to see in the Again, does does something that, that deserves the grand scale maybe deserve that treatment in in a realistic medium, like film? I agree with you there. I think Flash is a big enough hero that he deserves a movie. You know, I, for example, Marvel is making the Daredevil television show. Great. I think it's going to be cool. I'm going to check it out. I'm interested. Just It sounds like a good show idea. I love Daredevil, and it seems like that is not necessarily something that I need to see. I mean, would I prefer a film? Yeah. But I think they can do a really cool thing with it. I hope that they do. Hopefully, you know, they, they learned a lot from S.H.I.E.L.D. But it's also Netflix. I mean, maybe that brings a different dynamic to the to the making of it. I know that maybe. they've only... I don't know. They've only really done ground-level political dramas, dramas in a cell block, as well as remakes of Arrested Development. I think they're doing something else. Um, right now, but they haven't done anything to the scope of Daredevil or Iron Fist or anything like that. So it'll be interesting, but I think they might have a little more bump than your traditional network TV shows. Maybe. I don't know. They also distributed the last of the Clone Wars episodes, but I don't know how much Netflix is responsible for any kind of budgetary uh, help. Or assistance. I feel like these are, you know, independent studio. Like Marvel is fronting the bill for whatever they put yeah. together with these Marvel TV shows. Netflix isn't giving. I mean, I'm sure Netflix is paying for yeah, it. I mean, I, I have no idea. I don't know. But so, um, the the moral of the story is, I don't hate serialized storytelling. Uh, I I do prefer the character arc that you're going to get in a film I you know I like the hero's journey that you might get in a film I think some of the real story is 
the fact that Marvel has been able to bring all these characters to live action where you're getting just the taste of you know Batman and Superman now and, and Arrow and the Flash in a live action version whereas there's an Ant-Man version <coughs> on its way for Marvel before you actually are going to see say like Wonder Woman or something like that I think that's where Marvel's shining where it's it's doing the inverse of what it does in its um, print division where it's using its entire stable of characters whereas DC is kind of holding on to a big three or, or its main character It's becoming groups. embarrassing to look at DC's cinema progress to this point. Looking it's been at, embarrassing. It, it has been, but I, I don't know. It's it's just bullshit. I mean, come on. Fucking Superman versus Batman is still 2016, and that's going to be the next DC film that we get. We're going to 2016, see, it's 2014. We're going to see Star-Lord before we see Wonder Woman. It's, it's, um, it's mind-boggling. It, it's completely And I'm ridiculous. excited for Star-Lord and... But it shouldn't be this way. You know, there should be a Green Lantern franchise. We should be watching the Green Lantern Part 2 or 3 this summer. But instead, they fucked it up. I don't know how, but they managed to fuck it up. I don't know if it was the director or the writer. Whoever it was that did that should never work. It wasn't all big, gigantic things that they fucked up, I don't think. It was little things like... Costume choice. Um, oh well, there, yeah. I know you didn't like uh, Hector Hammond, but I don't think he was the worst villain. Uh, he, was, he was pretty bad. He was, he was pretty rough. Was he worse than Electro? Uh, mm, no. Close. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was worse than Electro. I liked Electro. For the Parallax is a choice. Is a great choice. The way that they presented it is a bad choice. It was. He was presented the way Galactus was presented. In the horrible Fantastic Four films. Ryan Reynolds is a great choice as Green Lantern, as it Hal had, Jordan. It had a lot good going for it. And it had a lot of bad going for it. They, they, it they're like, this is the mythology, straight from the comics, in your face. Here you go. But, you know, they give you all that, but then it's like they're terrified of like making the costume look the way it should... Or making Parallax the big yellow bug praying mantis type thing that he should be. And it's like, they got so far and then they chickened out. If you're going to take us out into outer space like that, I think there has to be some realism to it. The world, you like, got to film that stuff in in the real world. you got to go and take us, if, if we're going to be on Oa, and it's going to be a rock-like kind of environment, and, just go to the Grand Canyon and, and Oa, do that. And Oa and all of... The Green Lanterns, including the costumes, which were just too... They were too organic. Too CG, too organic. Um, Like, every... I wanted it to be more like Star Wars. More like what I expect from Guardians of the Galaxy. Where these are alien worlds, but everything's a little familiar. You're You're on Oa, and... I mean, yeah, they... The design just went for it. We're going straight up alien shit. But it was it was almost too far away, and I think that lost a lot of people, especially people that aren't deep into this shit like we are. Yeah, I was kind of fine with the design of Oa and 
frankly, the use of CGI. I mean, yeah, probably the real costumes would have been nicer, but that didn't bother me that much. I think the villains were really bad. Matt I think Paul, who, disagreeing since 2008. I think who would you uh, <laughs> pick as villains, though? Do you no, think the treatment. Par- the treatment. Okay, the treatment of the villains. Because yeah. I was going to say, Parallax is a great villain. It explains away a lot of stuff. It has the dynamic of the yellow versus, uh, although they didn't really use it, Helps against the world the, build against the green. Yeah, but you just didn't like the treatment. Not really. I mean, I laughed at the at Hector Hammond every time he was Isn't on that screen. How he is though. Am I wrong? No, he's in the Jeff Johns run. He's scary. Like he's really fucking creepy. Did they undercut him with his origin story? They made him. They made him silly in the in the movie because in the movie he comes off as. Oh, this girl doesn't like me. I'm just gonna destroy the world. But in what's the, his real motivation then? In the books, he's dating Carol, and he's yeah. this strapping, handsome Clark Gable type guy. And then he he gets taken over by this meteor, and he gets the gigantic head and all these psychic abilities. And Green Lantern beats him up, and they have to lock him up. But the whole time, he's still obsessed with Carol. And every time him and Hal meet up, he starts probing Hal's mind for, like, just Hal's memories of Hal and Carol having sex. Yeah, and I mean, all this, that's terrible. All this dirty, just really creepy stuff. And I understand, you can't really get into that <clears throat> if it's if you're marketing this movie to, to a younger audience. But you can still do romantic <clears throat> stuff or whatever. But you he can still do it. He could have been a lot creepier than he was, but I'm not mad. He just came off as goofy. He, when you saw him, he just looked... Like, the face he would make when he, like, would wheel in to the room and, like... It, it was just really bad. I had a bad time with Parallax and the way that that was yeah. presented. Big smoke monster... When it could have been extremely menacing, extremely powerful, yeah, they really failed with the execution on that. But yep, I don't think that they went totally wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought Ryan Reynolds back as Green Lantern. I think that's a good move. I think it would be a good move too because he was the best part of the movie. I wasn't sold on him going in that he was the right guy to be Green Lantern, but I think he proved that he was. I think um, there's a precedence now with kind of repairing some of the ills that you've done in movie franchises past now, you can bring back some shit that sucked. I don't, still yeah, working I, all I don't, in. I don't think Green Lantern is irreparable. I think if you fold him in to the greater DC universe in 2020 or whenever they get around to doing it, like you can, you can fix some of the things that went wrong. But, uh, yeah, DC's, DC's still, still working on some shit. Like, the newly released title of Batman versus Superman. No, no, no. What is it now? Batman 5 Superman. <laughs> Dawn of Justice. Bat- um, Why is it called Batman 5 Superman? Did they high five in it? Do you guys like the title? So the V stands for versus, Correct. not the Roman not numeral the Roman for five. Numeral five. And the Dawn is like. Dawn soap, right? Like Dawn. They're gonna clean up justice and then high five. Justice is a dirty, filthy animal. Um, I don't have a problem with Dawn of Justice. I don't have. V is sort of a weird choice. Um, It's fine, but it obviously should have been World's Finest. Yeah, it 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 absolutely should have been. 
Because, the, like, I think it's pretty clear, this movie, though, you know, Cyborg has been cast and Wonder Woman's been cast, it's going to focus on Batman and Superman, who are the world's finest of the Justice League. You know, I'm, I just tried to formulate an argument in my head why World's Finest really probably shouldn't have been the title, but I'm already disagreeing with myself. Because I was going to say that World's Finest, nobody knows what the fuck that is. Audiences don't know, right? But no, audiences but, don't know what Dawn of Justice is, because Dawn no, of Justice, is, it, it's not anything. Aside from that, like, audiences are able to, to put together titles that, like, The Dark Knight, one of the, the highest grossing comic book movies of all time, doesn't have the word Batman in it, but people, you know, it, it'll get out there. The movie comes out, you see the movie previews and ads and everything for the new film with Superman and Batman and it. Call it whatever the fuck you want. You know, it could be... I can't think of anything right now, Paul, but if you, if you think of anything <laughs> ridiculous... Shout it out. That could be the title. Attack of Justice. Attack of Justice. And it would be fine. Call it World's Finest. You show Batman and Superman doing their superhero-y things. Why yeah. they're fighting, I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think it also would have been a good move because it, it falls in line with The Dark Knight and Man of Steel and the the movie titles that aren't Batman this or Superman this. And, like, World's Finest... The World's Finest is the brand for those two characters in the comic book community. There's no reason it shouldn't be like that worldwide. We're past the point where audiences are not astute enough to go along with... Or not know, or not do some a little bit of research. They know who Batman and, is. They know who her, Superman is. Her, world's Finest is fine. Her, her World's Finest, with that logo... The That's big it. S That's all you have to do. Done. You don't even need Batman vs. Superman or whatever the shit. World's Finest with that logo. Everybody gets it. It's fine. It makes the fans happy. The general public gets it. It's all good. I'm totally fine with Dawn of Justice, though, as a, sub- as a subtitle for it. I was shocked that most nerds freaked out about that V. The V is weird. Versus. I have a problem with the V. Why? It's sort of weird. It's just weird. Unless you're completely illiterate... You understand what that means. I know. I understand. It's just odd. It's an odd choice. And I understand that probably graphically that looks better. It's just an odd choice. That's all. Yeah. I think the decision was made from a graphical standpoint more than anything. It's just as easy to throw the S period in there. (laughs) But But this is what nerds are nitpicking. The most, like I think, Donna Justice is kind of dumb. I don't know. But I've everyone heard the opposite. seems to be okay with that. I've heard the opposite of that. I've heard that Donna Justice is the thing that people are nitpicking. What's which, wrong with Dawn of Justice? I think it sounds cool. Okay, it's corny. That's that's vague. What do you lo- what do you not like about it? I it's don't not like anything the... solid. It's only it's referencing the Justice League, whereas they might as well just use world. I think that I think that it's that. too. It's too on the nose. It's too, this is the beginning of, wink, wink, the Justice League. But it's Batman Begins. I mean, that's even more on the nose, right? That is one of the worst titles ever, by the way. That's on the nose. Well, I don't... think Captain America, the first Avenger, that's what the comparisons are being made Captain America, the first Avenger, is the Marvel equivalent to Batman v Superman. It's like, hey, you might not like this movie, but you're going to really like the next one. Dawn of Justice just sounds too cheesy. 
You know what it sounds like to me? It almost sounds like a video game title. Yeah. Like... Like Devil May Cry? No, no. Like, if it was the Batman Superman video game, Dawn of Justice, I feel like that could be the title of the next fucking... NHL 14, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, there you go. A lot of people were saying that it should be uh, Cry for Justice. Like that that terrible miniseries. So that's it. That's all I had. Yeah, but it it, it, it could have been worse. You guys nitpicking the crying Batman and all that. And you know what? That's ridiculous. You know what? Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. Fuck you, DC. You have this coming. Because it's Does he look years? like he's crying to anybody else? He doesn't look like he's crying to it's, me. It's he doesn't look like he's crying to me. And that's another fucking silly thing. Everyone's Some like, "Who's sad Batman?" Meme. Yeah, I fucking hate all the sad Batman arguments. You're fucking retarded if you think he looks fucking sad, and you're just looking for shit to nitpick at that point. But DC and Zack Snyder have that coming because this movie's two years away, and we're and fans are dying. For information on this movie, I'm pretty and they're upset not, that and they're it's just two years away at this point. Tiny little shit. So yeah, that's all fans have. So they're gonna nitpick the shit out of this just because that's all we got. And we're gonna have to do deal with two more years of this. Wait till those first set images come out. Hang in there, fans. But Paul, don't you feel like revealing what Batman looks like for a movie that is still two years away is kind of soon for the big reveal? Yeah, but it was a big sort of reveal. We got a monotone image of what the what the upper half of the suit looks like. I think you can surmise what the suit looks like, even though it's one color. I mean, it still gives you a pretty damn good idea of what Batman's going to look like in this movie. I don't have a problem with that. I I'm, I love the image. What I'm saying is, you you you're saying they're just giving you little snippets, but. They they just gave you what the main one of the main characters of the film is going to look like that we didn't know we've been wondering that was the thing that we most wanted to find out and they're like okay here you go this is the thing you want the most here it is I'm still wondering why they pushed the movie back an extra year or six months or whatever that subtitle probably plays heavily into it (laughs) It, I'm not them trying to figure out what to (laughs) subtitle it but what I'm saying is. The fact that they have altered this from a Superman sequel to a Superman sequel with Batman in it to... The first Batman movie that to, starts the Justice League franchise. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like they are going to be equal major players in this film. And I they're feel also like this is kick Batman's off, movie now. I don't know why you get that exactly. First billing. Because he's, so far he's because had Batman sells shit. the yeah. lion share of the hype. He is... Because Batman as, sells shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. You know better, Ian. You know better. Don't be a dummy. I know. <laughs> I like how I turned out to be the dummy in this. Okay. <laughs> well, um... What I've heard is that it's... That DC's not gonna do the Marvel route and make solo hero movies that lead up to bigger movies. They're gonna They're just the gonna inverse. hit you with... No. They're not breaking it out. Every DC movie is gonna be multiple hero Justice League type movies. What do you think about that, Mr. DC? I'm fine with that because I like the shared universe. And that stays away from the problem of two fucking helicarriers just crashed in Washington, D.C. Where the fuck fuck is Iron Man? It at least gets rid of that problem. Shit happens real quick, buddy. Sometimes Iron Man is drunk 
and passed out. Sometimes Man, Thor is an Asgard. Iron Man. Shit happens. At the all F- you have to do is cobble together that's not, Falcon and Black Widow. <laughs> that's not... And Now, that being said, I've never had that problem. Because, because I read you're comic not friends books. with Falcon and Black because Widow. Or are you? Because I read comic books, and I understand that heroes need their solo shit going on, and I get it. But that's a... Like, since the Avengers, every Marvel movie that's... Every solo film that's come out... The, one of the big gripes is always, where the fuck is everyone else? That's a stupid gripe by stupid people, though. It really is. But it's still a gripe. And, and if, it's still and if DC's dumb. Ma- yeah, I agree. It's a dumb gripe, and it's stupid, but if but it is a gripe. And that's something that releasing just Justice League-type movies I had that will get rid of. Doesn't make it any less stupid. <laughs> by stupid people, you say? Yes. Ian said that. That's what me. I said. Ian... Have you learned nothing? <laughs> Betting is one thing. Ian, you dummy. <laughs> film film critiquing is another thing. Now, I recently read an article that judged the top ten comic book movies. Um, Captain America 2 has really climbed up that, up that list. It's at number four on this list on, I think, it's comic book... Um, or Newsarama or it's something so like that. It's so funny, though, how the new hotness is never able to be number one right out of the gate. It's got to it's gotta kind of um, saturate for a while into the public consciousness. Because if you give Thor the Dark World a 10 out of 10, you're a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But isn't it funny, though? Because, like, I, what, what was number one? Iron Man? Number one, they cheated because they did the Dark Knight trilogy. So, to me, that's cheating. That is bullshit. Um, Number two was Avengers. Number one is Iron Man. So, we can take out... Let's just say the Dark Knight is number one. Avengers is number two. I guarantee... And Iron Man is number three. If that list was compiled the summer that the Dark Knight came out, it would not have been number one on the list. I agree. I agree. Because people are hesitant to do that, to jump it up that far... But that's why it's so surprising that Captain America 2 I thought Dark is number was four. great right away. No, like, I, I did too. There were a lot of people that... I, read, I, I wrote home in a car full of people that didn't like it. Who are these people? Dummies. <laughs> Joe Saxman, <laughs> Chris Tomasek. Do they like it now, now that it's so high on the list? Some people do, some people don't. Does Joe Saxman not like it? He does like it. Okay. So then just Tracy's a dummy? Tracy had to change her name. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... It's Dark a Tracy Knight. Sharpley, a dummy name. <laughs> <laughs> but get, getting back to where we kind of kind of got off the rails a little bit was my, my disdain for DC and the fact that when it comes to the cinematic universe, there's, like, nothing... And it, we have to wait literally two years until we get something. I'm very hopeful that it's going to be good. Are you more but, upset with bad movies or the wait? Man, that's a good question. I, I think the wait more than anything because to me that shows they're not even trying. I agree. I would take a shitty no, no, Justice, no, no, no. Justice Society movie. Give me Power Girl. Now, a few podcasts ago, I was complaining about the wait. And you, Ian, said, but don't you want them to make sure they get it all right and give you a good product that was instead talk- of 
hurrying and getting movies out. That was me, Marvel fan, talking to you, DC, DC guy, that wants to protect and cherish his movie experience. It's a dime a dozen to me, I'm a Marvel guy. <laughs> Do you new, hear that, Tim Sedwick? He's a Marvel guy. New movies, they come and go. I got a Ghost Rider falling out of my pocket here. <laughs> Well, would you like more DC films? Would you like Yeah, those are my characters. Those are my heroes. I want to see them. I want to see them with blonde hair. I'd like them to spread out and give give me a a Suicide Squad. Give me something different. Like, at the point where Marvel is I'm sure WB can make a great show about that. Don't worry. We don't... the point where the Marvel movies are. They're making Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, sorry. They yeah, should be that, making fucking, I don't know. And that's my frustration. Whatever that's, dumb DC bullshit. Part of my frustration with DC is they have such a great catalog of characters that they could be rolling out into smaller films. Now, maybe they're hesitant It's not that to. great. I thought we established Marvel had the better characters. I think we did, but you kind of backed Marvel, no. Up. Marvel doesn't have better characters. We covered that. That point went to DC. No, it didn't. No, it, didn't. it went to Marvel. Um, Two like, to one. No. After you fucking flip-flop, man. Oh, now, right, maybe whatever. DC is really hesitant because they did stuff like Green Lantern and Jonah Hex and those were huge flops so now they're afraid to do that but there are so many good characters that, that they could use that don't necessarily that they can make part of that world now well, who would without you directly tying into it give me give me a uh, wild card who would you pick as the next DC cinematic you could entry? make uh, Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle movie you could diversity sci-fi a little bit with the uh are you going with the the cyber yeah. version of the the beetle yeah i think that that would you could probably make work a renee montoya question movie ground level people like uh that kind of detective and uh, it's pulp story and it's stuff that is separate enough from the justice league that they have their own legs and they can stand on their own is there any way that DC would ever think to branch out in the way that Marvel did to create their own studio so that they have complete autonomy over <clears throat> all of their properties? No, because there's so many fingers in the DC pie that... Why is the DC so much different than Marvel, though? Because Marvel owns Marvel, and Marvel created Marvel Studios. But DC is owned by Warner Brothers. But so can't everything DC do the, do the same thing? Everything I mean, no, because everything DC wants to do has to run through Warner Brothers. Disney owns Marvel, <clears throat> so it's the same thing. All right, it's not the same thing because Marvel has created this giant brand. Marvel was a juggernaut on their own, and then DC bought them. Right. Warner Brothers has or DC's been under the thumb of Warner Brothers forever. Yeah, but Warner Brothers has always been in control of all the movies and everything. It's not true, like true. you have. Like, you have guys like Joe Quesada, tried and true comic guys, leading that charge on the movie end. But no one's there to do that for DC. DC Isn't has, Jeff Johns DC has up the... dum-dums like David Goyer, who've never read a comic, leading the charge up there. See, I disagree with him being a dum-dum. He's I made disagree, some too. of the I, best I, comic book I enjoy movies David Goyer. that we have in, we've all enjoyed. We've all enjoyed Blade like and the Dark Knight series. So to call him a dum-dum... <laughs> Just because he makes one bad statement on a podcast. Now, here on the McSauce Movie Podcast, are there are there <laughs> That's any? That's what we are. We might as well change the name. Are there any other 
uh, film news that, that we want to discuss here tonight. Um, let's run through this real quick. Uh, Edgar Wright is leaving Ant-Man. Yeah. To just because of creative differences. He didn't say he's going to do Star Wars, right? It sounded like they rewrote the entire script and handed it back to him and is he that, was out. Is that mind-blowing news to either of you? No. I'm because you don't tech. care because you kind of saw this coming? I don't care about Edgar Wright. I don't care about Ant-Man. I'm indifferent. I'm indifferent to those movies. Shaun of the Dead, whatever. Hot Fuzz. I don't care. I like Shaun of the Dead. I like... What was the other one? Hot, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. But I don't really care that Edgar Wright's not attached to it. I don't care really about Ant-Man either. I like Paul Rudd. Yeah, this news makes no ripple in the calm waters of my world. Wow. That was poetic. I think that Paul Rudd's charisma can carry this movie no matter who the fuck is directing or writing. Or I really do. I'm a big fan. Marvel seems to have such a such a um, good grasp on the well-oiled machine that they are now. It's it seems like it's it's going to be okay. Well, the fact that we really haven't seen anything about Ant Man yet to really compare, like, oh, we're not going to get that. We don't really know what we were not going to get. Um, you know, what we get is what we get at this point, and whatever. It's fucking Ant Man. Yeah, I, like, who do you know that you're like, hey man, who's your favorite superhero? Oh, I really like Batman, I really like uh, Green Lantern, Spider-Man's one of my favorites, even the Silver Surfer. Who the fuck says Ant-Man? I love Scott Lang. Who? Right. Isn't he like a third-line defenseman for the fucking Ducks? Nobody knows who Scott Lang is. No. No. Was there bigger movie news that came out? Recently, like Godzilla or maybe even news a long time ago. This news, week, news from a galaxy far, far away there, in Abu there, Dhabi. Was there Godzilla proportion news? I think there, there, there might have been. Was there Millennium Falcon? Or even <laughs> Slave One? Perhaps Star Destroyer size news? Death Star. Okay, this is getting terrible. Getting. Yes, there was news. There, there was, was there um, was some Star Wars news. There was J.J. Abrams' UNICEF video. That's right. Which, UNICEF, great. Yeah, that's all, all <laughs> great. But, there was, um... There was an alien in the background. Yeah. And it was... Uh, I can't think of the word for it. It wasn't CG. It was a tactile... It was practically practical. done. Yeah. Matt, oh, an actual Matt, puppet... An actual pub. Matt, lead us. Lead oh, us into this. I will. I will lead you. Ba ba ba. A galaxy a long time ago with Matt Cassell. I feel like I have to be sitting with like a robe, uh, sitting uh, on a, in an easy chair next to a fireplace, holding a pipe. See, I feel like all that needs to happen, but it needs to be the Emperor's throne. Ah, okay. Mm. Uh, so, Paul, did seeing this practical effect give you a practical boner? It did give me a practical boner. I had a CG one. Uh-huh. Yeah, did you? Of course you did. Because yours could be much larger that way. It was jumping around like Yoda. Ah. I don't want a giant one. Mm -hmm. I want a moderately sized one. Makes me work harder. So, Paul, you were very excited by practical effects. I was. Did you think they were particularly good? 
No, I think it, it looked like something from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> exactly. But in are a, we reminded that maybe practical effects aren't quite what we think they are? Isn't that what a, we just fucking bitched about? Though? I'm a, just, I'm just in playing a quickly, advocate. In a thrown together onset video, yeah. to support UNICEF, I think this is fine. And the the animatronic quality of <laughs> Dark Crystal type character. Like that's that's not what I'm critiquing on. Like what what put me at ease was since it was announced that J.J. Abrams would be doing this, since not even J.J. Abrams, but that they'd be doing episodes seven, eight, and nine. I expected whoever was creating it to step take a step back from all the CGI used in the prequels and do more of a Peter Jackson type mashup of practical and CGI. Yeah. And seeing this alien, are you kidding me, Ian? Are you fucking kidding me? Ian. <laughs> What are you doing tonight? Ian frantically is trying to mute his iPad. <laughs> so it, this video just confirms for me that J.J. Uh, Abrams is going to take a little more practical approach to a lot of things. And if that guy's walking around in the background, right. it's a little little cloudy, I think that'll look a lot better than you know, some 80s so puppet fantasy. Yeah, and you know they added in kind of the cheese ball sound effects to... <laughs> To really sell the idea of this alien creature. And he and didn't fart, and I think that's a step up. That was nice. And, and you know, I do think that that, that was a very calculated move by J.J. Abrams to put this practical effect out there. Because people are talking about it in a positive way. Hey, look, they're, they're using animatronics and puppets. Ian, do you have an opinion? You have a look on your face as if you do. No. I'm just listening to you guys talk. Okay. Would, would you like to offer something up? You guys were in the middle of talking. I just looked at you, and now you—that you, was a you look. You can't though, cut to of, me after you're in the middle of talking. No, we're done. I didn't interrupt you. You did with that face. Did I? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's the worst thing. Or besides we, or the face, what do you think? Just give us your opinion. I'm excited for practical puppetry. Practical puppetry. I think that it's. Better than digital puppetry. No, I, I I'm excited for this. It is a good move. I think that some of the things that fans have been complaining about is the overuse of CG. We complain about it all the time here on Mixos Podcast. I think that this is it is a calculated move to show that there is a back to basics approach to this new Star Wars movie. I agree. Now, there was another bit of uh, Star Wars maneuvering going on this week in the, um, in the wake, in the, in the Godzilla-sized wake of the Godzilla film, the very successful week one Godzilla The film Godzilla that film. stomped its foot and shook $100 out of my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I don't know if the success of that exactly played into the hiring of Gareth Edwards, the director of Godzilla, to be the director of the next Star Wars Seems film. Seems a little quick for that to have been the Yeah, the that's what right. I was thinking. But, I mean, he had no real film experience outside of two films. So anyway, just to fill everybody in, Gareth Edwards, the director of Godzilla, was hired on to direct the next Star Wars movie that comes out on December 16th, 2016, a mere 353 days after uh, Episode 7, and this will be the 
first spinoff of the um, however many they're planning on doing, which are going to run every other year. And then in between those, you'll have the actual saga episode. Is there a set number of movies that J.J. Abrams has agreed to direct? Yes, one. However, that are could be Are you afraid extended. of that? Are you No, upset? I mean, I, be, I, mean I, I think he's the right guy. I used to feel like... Um, John Favreau. John Favreau might have been a, a more... A safer choice. I think J.J. Abrams, to me, felt a little more wild card-like. I felt like he might bring a little too much of himself to the established brand that is Star Wars. But... Everything I've seen and heard to this point have really sold me on J.J. Abrams as the guy. I feel like he's going to be so respectful of that brand. And I can't help but feel like he's specifically using The Empire Strikes Back as his kind of benchmark for this film. He can't respect it too much. That's true. He definitely has to do his own thing to a degree. But you you have to be very faithful to the to the groundwork that has been laid out. Um, he had a different tact with Star War, or Star Trek, <clears throat> but still respected him. He did, but he had a little more range to change things. Now and- I do feel like you know he he pissed off Trekkies. It's a shiny turkey, <laughs> and there we have our suburban turkey. Suburban turkey. <laughs> I, really, I didn't think one would come up while we were here. I think he poked his his gobbler face right around the, <laughs> the bush and was like, oh, fuck this. The hell. So, um, we're all thrown off by this turkey that's giving us the stare down. <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> This is terrible podcasting, folks. <laughs> now, is it... It's getting closer. Like, do we need to go inside? I don't know. I don't know. They always have a hard time. To- oh. <laughs> oh, no, we're good. We're good. Where's he going to go? He's going to jump over the fence. This is what they do. Oh. <laughs> there, he go- there he goes. I was kidding about the suburban turkey when we started this episode. <laughs> At least we have a name. Did you get a picture of that? I got a hundred pictures of it. Because <laughs> it almost killed me. Did you get a picture of Matt running inside? When I thought it was coming over at us. Feet? Oh, please, you were, you were getting up to. I was frightened, but I wasn't getting up just yet. Well, I figured I, I can I going to wait for it to turn over here. Hey, I had more things to trip over, so I was getting a head start. We would have been like Scooby and Shaggy now, in another two steps. For sure, Ian would have been the one that gets killed by Turkey. Uh, 100%. Oh, how exciting. Anyway. Because everyone knows turkeys love dark meat. That is true. (laughs) I think that uh, that J.J. Abrams also likes turkeys. I think he's the right guy. And I think that everything we've seen to this point is is good. and, And I'm feeling really confident with him kind of kind of leading the way and um, but we're not going to talk about so much J.J. Abrams in Star Wars we're going to talk a little Gareth Edwards in Star Wars now uh, clearly I knew what I was talking about when I felt like the uh, the Helmer of Godzilla was, was something special 
Okay, I really didn't say that exactly, but... I think it's pretty cool that a guy that made one independent movie that he wrote and directed and, from what I understand, to some degree financed himself, was able to land the big-budget Godzilla movie from just one independent film. Pretty remarkable stuff. So he gets the independent film, great success, and then they give him the next Star Wars, the standalone film. Now, what that is, we don't know. We've heard the Boba Fett rumor. That one seems to have some legs, but honestly, I don't really believe any of them at this point. Um, I've heard Boba Fett. I've heard Han Solo spinoff. I've heard the, the uh, you know Red Five Rogue Squadron yeah. at some point. We heard Yoda as, as one of the potentials. Mm-hmm. To me, I feel like Boba Fett makes a lot of sense in terms of kind of appeasing... Uh, a very outspoken group of fans that love that character. Uh, I think it would be cool if they did Boba Fett. Bring him back. Like, don't... Don't do, like, a prequel to Boba Fett. Oh, what happened in between Episode 2 and Episode 5? Like, no. Do it after he gets out of the Sarlacc. I don't like the idea that Boba Fett died in the Sarlacc. Do you guys agree? Or are you content with him... Uh, with his flame going out at that moment, <clears throat> I'm okay the, with the him dying right there. But if you if you want to do a movie, I'd like to see. And you're going to do bounty hunters. Do all of them. Do that whole row of bounty hunters that a bounty we see hunter film. I would be shocked if they did Empire a Boba Fett movie and not included one or two of those bounty hunters. I from would Empire. prefer it to not be. I, and I know it's probably impossible for them to not center it around Boba Fett. But I'd like to see a movie about, in that time frame, pre-Empire Strikes Back, with that cast of bounty hunters. Those those that were standing there in front of Darth Vader. That's the time frame you want, pre-Empire Strikes Back? Mm-hmm. I'm okay with him dying in Return, Return of the Jedi. I, for as, as much as I like that he went out like a bitch... He did I go would, out like a bitch. He did. He got... Accidentally knocked out by a blind guy, and then would, it was all in the name of a burp joke. Let's be honest. Yeah, I would prefer him to have gone out in a way more befitting of the threatening character that he is. Because every time his name comes up, it's like, oh shit, Holy Boba, shit Fett. Boba Fett. Exactly. I'd be fine with it if you kill him at the end of the Boba Fett movie, but that means it's got to take place after Return of the Jedi, and that's fine. You know, whatever. I, I just don't like the way he went out. That that's. No, I agree. He, he got needed, out. Of there. He needed to go out. He could die in die in the Sarlacc pit. Maybe like a one on one fight with Luke Skywalker right there. He needs to yeah, fuck someone. He needs to fuck someone up before he goes. Yeah, he never did anything. He yeah. never did anything. He he shot a rope around Luke, and that was the coolest thing that he did. I mean, he shot at Luke in The Empire Strikes Back, and he missed several times. He, he shot it. Well, his dad shot at Obi Wan Kenobi in the in the asteroid field of and he Genesis. Said, Get him, Dad! <laughs> yeah, and he missed. That bounty hunter is not a good shot. The only time he was a good shot, Jango Fett, was when he shot that dart from five thousand yards away into the neck of what's her name in Episode Two. Uh, Zam Wessel. There you go. <clears throat> And if that's the guy that we're using to clone our stormtroopers, 
no wonder they're missing everything all the time. Yeah, the stormtroopers were got progressively worse at shooting. But anyway, Boba Fett could be the thing. Uh, what do we think about the idea that it could be a independent spinoff, like like a brand new character? I like that. Give me something that I've seen before. Give me a, or at least expand on a character that I've seen. Before. That's in, what I want. My initial reaction to the Rogue Squadron news was yuck, because I feel it's the same feeling I get about Shield. Like you have all these awesome characters, but we're gonna tell a story about the characters behind the characters. Like I don't really need to know all about Jack Porkins. Well, say. I don't. They don't know what the... I mean, we right. could do some wedge. They're, they're saying... I mean, would you be upset if they did it, Wedge Antilles in there? They're calling uh, it Red 5, not Rogue Squadron. Red 5 is Luke Skywalker's right. call sign. <clears throat> now, what I don't like about that is Luke Skywalker's the main character of the Star Wars trilogy. We don't need a spinoff with Luke Skywalker. Let him be the main character in the saga movies. And these spinoffs can be about more peripheral characters... That's why I don't like the idea of a Han Solo movie. But if you're going to do peripheral characters, I'm totally okay with doing Boba Fett. Because he falls in he falls in that area of, you know, well-known but peripheral. Like, right. you can really do that with him. I don't want brand new characters. I don't necessarily want Luke. That's almost what the CG stuff is for. That's May- what the cartoon properties are for. Maybe like a Biggs and Wedge story. Maybe that's where Buddy Rogue, Cop, uh, Rogue Buddy, Squadron falls. Buddy Rebel movie. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Just to I, bring that, bring back that big Biggs mustache. Yeah, that was pretty sexy. Now we also might have. Um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Talk, talk amongst yourselves and see what comes back. Rick Ali movie. <laughs> he was uh, one of the first prequel characters announced when they were sort of marketing episode one stuff. He was the pilot of the Queen's ship. What's his most yeah, famous I, line? I don't know. Um, that kid really did it. I, I, something like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I I think I would, I would prefer the peripheral character that is not... Um, like one of the one of the main guys and so like who? Uh, well, Boba Fett makes a ton of sense. Even a a, a Lando movie wouldn't be that bad. Millennium yes. Falcon, starring Tay Diggs. Um, you know, like show me what the what his maneuver was at the Battle of Tanab. You can't you can't called. show that. It's such a it's it's such a mythological thing, yeah, right? But now. You, you can't show but what you it actually can was. because we've seen. The Clone Wars. Yeah. Which was a mythological thing at one point. Right. Right, and aren't we all a little We're disappointed? We're very disappointed. Now? We super- so don't yeah. take the Battle of Tanab away from us. Yeah. Let that let that live in our minds. Well, we just want to see the little maneuver. Like, when you finally see what Pennywise is at the end of It, don't, Stephen King, don't do it. Just let us imagine. It's always going to be scarier. You think at any point we'll see the Kessel Run? Mm-hmm. No. You know what? There's something about the the Luke Skywalker as Red Five movie recasting Luke, given showing that part of Luke Skywalker's life that's kind of appealing to me. 
I think that <clears throat> that's a device for them to recast Luke and then move on in the future with some of those movies with a younger cast. And, th- and that's why, because I want I want more Luke in his prime. We got cheated out of Luke in his prime because we only got three movies. And he's only... Yeah, yeah. Luke's the main character in those movies. But, you know, he's... It's an ensemble cast. Yeah. In his prime, we only and got I want, like one and a half. Like right. Jedi, he's in his and prime. I want, I want and that then Luke. the I want last that half young, of Empire. I want that young, learning the ropes, heroic Luke. I would be more content if they tried to tell Luke stories after Return of the Jedi, but before Episode Seven, um, and then I'd recast him there. I don't yeah, want to see I'd them recast him in between four and five. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I agree. Now, I would prefer to just leave Luke out of it. Like I said, he's still pretty much the main guy in, in the trilogy. Yes, it's an ensemble, but he's if I had yeah. to pick one main yeah. character, it's Luke's story. But, but doesn't your love of Star Wars warrant you to want more Luke Skywalker? Like, that's what I want. That's what Episode Seven's for. But we're going to get... We're going to get Obi-Wan Skywalker. He's, he's old... Best days are behind him. Sure, he's got a couple of tricks. His <laughs> hovel's full of empty Funyuns bags. <laughs> a pothead. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I want to see, I want to see him kicking ass, man. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I do. But even though the empire is gone, there's still a lot of people that need to be put in line. Could be. I would be content with. Um, with a Wedge movie, actually, before a Luke Skywalker movie. Wedge you can get away with more, because he's not such a recognizable face. Right. You know, and, and Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. As much as I want to see him recast in the prime of his life, which I would love, Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Right. But uh, Dennis Lawson, recast Den- that guy in a heartbeat. Dennis Lawson has gone on record recently when they asked him about episode 7 he said they they asked me to be in it and I turned turned it down Why? he said he said that it would bore me <gasps> how dare you <laughs> it was a very arrogant statement and yeah I don't think Dennis Lawson gained himself too much um sympathy or or too many fans with a statement like that um, <clears throat> it's a very just just a arrogant and kind of selfish statement you know what it just it just endears guys like Hugh Jackman and Mark Hamill to me more and you know uh, Dennis Lawson's nephew Ewan McGregor who is a, a big fan of being in those movies himself you know he he loves the fact that he was Obi-Wan Kenobi that's that's, that's the spinoff I want to see I want to see more Ewan McGregor I Obi-Wan. agree yeah um, Maybe we'll get that. One of one of the best aspects of the prequel films, he's the right age to get in there and do the whole desert thing. You know, I don't know, given the fact that the Clone Wars is now canon, Darth Maul did come back, and, and there was that, I think it was the Star Wars Visionaries trade paperback where there was a story where Darth Maul tracked Obi-Wan to Tatooine and, and a much older Obi-Wan had to fight a spider-legged Darth Maul. Very fucking cool. That would be um, really good. Yeah. I, 
I'd pay money to go see that. I feel like everyone would. Yeah. You know, people would be excited. Even the ones I can that see hate. the trailer right now, and I'm super excited for yeah. it. Like, to me, that's what should be the first spinoff. I, I hope Gareth Edwards and Ewan McGregor are on the phone as we speak, chatting about well, what's going to come out in 2016. What's great about this is that you can almost pull from any point of Star Wars timeline. You can pick from the middle section, the beginning, prequel stuff, or this new unexplored frontier. Although, I feel like Disney is trying as hard as they can to distance themselves from anything prequel era. The furthest back they seem to be interested in going is that Rebels TV show. It's like, if it is, is prequel that era... This fall? This fall, yeah. If it, it, Although they may have some kind of premiere episode in the summer to kind of kick it off, but... I feel like if it's prequel era, Disney's just like, nope, didn't happen. We don't want anything to do with it. And on one hand, I, I can appreciate that they're listening to fans with their disdain for those movies. I'm not one of them. Um, but I don't think you can just say, didn't happen. Well, not they're not saying that exactly, but they're... They just don't want anything to do with it. And there's some good stuff to mine from those movies, I think. Um, like like an Obi-Wan spinoff. And you got an actor that is classic and iconic as Alec Guinness's role as Obi-Wan Kenobi was in the original movies. I'm not sure. I don't think of Ewan McGregor first as Obi-Wan Kenobi now. I mean, he had a lot more screen time as him and acted just as well. Is Disney would be smart to take the good things, the universal, the universally accepted good things from the prequels, like Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan. Yeah, they have the option to pick and choose now. It's, it, there's no reason for them to ignore the really quality things. Now, was that was that car horn or signal for? Time's up with this episode tonight. Uh, yeah, I think somebody was like, you guys have talked enough. I have never heard so many sirens and horns before. And turkeys. The turkey was a nice surprise. I didn't think that was it really It was a great happen. dynamic of the urban and the country here. Coming together. And that's where we're going to cut it tonight, folks. Uh, if you want some good nerd speak, check out nerdexchange.net, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Uh, They're on find Stitcher their, as well. Find their Facebook page as well as their Libsyn page, so you can download each and every episode. If you're wondering, but X-Men Days of Future Past just came out. Why isn't this the X-Men Days of Future Past review? Paul fashions himself a modern day Paul Bunyan. What? <laughs> Climbing through the... Oh, right, right, right. Um, chopping down trees. I didn't get to see it, so uh, next week will be the big X-Men Days of Future Past discussion. Until then, my name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Castell. We'll see you next time.
But if you don't like it, turn off your fucking Twitter, you fucking nerds.